Real Life Radio is sponsored by River City Community Church. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. A church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and then find it to the full. And that's what Jesus said in John 10.10. And we're in a series called Financial Fitness and being good stewards with what God has given you. It's a topic that strikes fear in the hearts of many, but the message today is called Crossing Over. The tithe is God's bridge to move my heart from fear to faith. Grab a Bible if you have one nearby. Pastor Sean's going to back it all up. It's time for Real Life Radio. We're talking about financial fitness. And I have to tell you, this is uh, part of something bigger that God is doing here at River City Community Church. He's given us a theme this year of strengthening. We've grown as a fellowship, and that is an awesome thing. And there's two sides to growth. There really are. You know, you think about a tree. A tree has a huge trunk that comes up out of the ground and a beautiful canopy, and that's the stuff we love. But we understand that there's a whole root system that nourishes and supports and strengthens that. And we love to think about the trunk, and we love to think about the canopy of leaves, and that's the stuff that's beautiful, right? That's not possible without deep roots. And God wants to continue to grow deep roots in this fellowship this year. And the theme he's given us is strengthening. We started the year talking about community. Because that's how we roll here. That's how we do life together. Community groups. People, smaller groups, relationships with one another. Connecting. That's an element of depth, of strengthening and growth. But we also saw in one of the, just as we were looking at this whole idea of strengthening, that one of the biggest hindrances and drawbacks for people actually going where God wants them to go, being what he wants them to be, is this issue of finances. It's just a fact. Here in the United States, it is everywhere. It is connected to everything. And there are so many people who, if God kind of starts to nudge them and give them a vision, where if you've ever had that experience, that's exciting. For God to give you a vision and start to show you something and kind of make your heart beat a little faster at the prospect of something being changed for the kingdom of God and maybe that he has a part for you in it. So God gives someone a vision, but all of a sudden it's like, oh, but I can't, God, because I, I, my expenses are up here and I, I, I got I to gotta get that overtime. And God, I'm, I got the debt that I got to pay. So, and all of a sudden you just kind of see the chains forming. And people who otherwise have a passion and a desire to do something significant for the kingdom of God. And they also even, and here's the scary part, they have a call. They've been given kind of a nudge or a vision or the view of a possibility from God, and they'd love to follow it, but it's like, oh, I can't, God, because of the money thing. And that's where the Lord said, yeah, one of the areas of strengthening needs to be in this issue of finances. My people need to be free. His goal is financial freedom. That's God's desire for us. Free to follow his voice. Free to follow what he puts in our hearts. Free to be the people he created us to be. So in prepping for the message, I I just came across a psalm that really just spoke to me. So let me just read this psalm for you this morning. It's Psalm 112. Beginning at verse 1, we read, Praise the Lord. Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in his commands. Their children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in their houses, and their righteousness endures forever. Even in darkness, light dawns for the upright, for those who are gracious and compassionate and righteous. Good will come to those who are generous and lend freely, who conduct their affairs with justice. Surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. They will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. 
Their hearts are secure. They'll have no fear. In the end, they will look in triumph on their foes. They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Their horn will be lifted high in honor. What, what caught me is this idea of fear and that they would be free of fear. They would be fearless people. That's something that Lori and I, from the very beginning in raising our kids, we wanted to raise kids who weren't driven by fear because, folks, that's what our society, our culture majors in, fear. Do you know how many fear motivators are out there for us? I mean, it's media, advertising, uh, news, whatever it is, they're going to try to get their hooks in you, often for financial reasons, and they're going to use fear. They're going to use our fear to do that. And the bottom line is, we very much wanted to see our children be people who weren't caught up in fear. And so that was a focus for us. We want them to have wisdom. We want them to have understanding. We just don't want them to be driven by all the fears that are out there and push to the forefront. It was interesting because that fear thing is what caught my eye, but then as I looked at the psalm, I noticed the multiple references to money. He talked about how these people would be prosperous people. These people would be generous people. They would be fearless people. And I thought that was extremely appropriate because one of the greatest things that people fear in relation to is money. It's one of the most pressing fears that will push and and slam people into submission. Fear more than anything else, I think, steals the financial freedom that God desires for his children. And we know it's not the same with every person, right? You know, the people next to you might have totally different angles on this idea of financial fear. Some of you may say, I never have any financial fear. I'd love to talk with you afterwards and look in your eyes. (laughs) Because either I just want to say, man, we're not worthy, or you're lying to me. (laughs) Because it's a temptation. It's a challenge. It's not the same with every person, though, is it? You know, some people, it's very basic, and we can even kind of understand. What if I don't have enough? That's a big fear. What if I don't have enough to meet my basic needs or to meet the needs that I think are really important? I've known multiple different people who grew up in situations where their family maybe didn't have a lot or they went through real tough financial times and that financial thing was always there. And I've watched that shape people so that they have a ton of financial fear. They're terrified that they won't have enough. And so they're always kind of trying to, to shore everything up to protect against the possibility of not having enough. There's certainly parts of that that we can understand, but it becomes a lens through which we look at the world that develops this kind of zero-sum game mindset. If you're not careful, you can get to the place where you think if someone else all of a sudden does well and all of a sudden they have something, it's like there's less in the world now and that fear starts to grip. The fear of not having enough. That's a big one. But people with resources who have a lot, actually, they have fear. And you're like, what would they possibly have to be afraid of? Well, what about the fear of being taken advantage of? That's a big one. People who have resources often struggle with generosity. They struggle with, should I give? How can I give? And, and, but I don't want to be taken advantage of. And that's a fear. And so they're always watching, guarding. And here's the third one that you might go, wait a minute, what's that got to do with money? It's got a lot to do with money. Just trust me for a second here, and then I'll explain How about the fear of what will people think? This is a huge fear. What will people think? Fear of what people will think of us. You know, what's that got to do with money? Well, let me explain. Um, If I dress the way I can afford, what will people think of me? 
Like ladies, several ladies are looking at me like, that's offsides. I can't believe you said that, Pastor. Okay, guys, you're not off the hook. If I drive that car that I can actually afford, what will people think of me? If I live in the house I can afford, what will people think of me? Fear, fear, fear. Fear of what people think is one of the greatest contributors, I think, to our financial issues. I think there's this like kind of peer pressure to mismanage our money. It's all based on this idea of what will people think of me? I want to challenge you this morning. If you're accumulating debt, chances are there's a fear behind it. Chances are there's a fear. I don't know anybody who goes out and goes, you know, I don't have any debt. I need some debt, so I'll go get some debt. Now, nobody, nobody does that, okay? Chances are there's a fear behind it. If you're dishonest in your finances, chances are there's a fear. If you're tempted to cheat and sometimes find yourself crossing that line, it's usually fear-based. Very few people are dishonest recreationally. If you're stingy, if you struggle with generosity and you know it, it's hard for you to give, chances are there's a fear. We'd be wise to look and say, what is that? If you have significant stress in your marriage over money, most often, that's fear. So many couples lose the fight. They break up, lose their marriage over money, and it's generally over some kind of fear. In my experience, it's not usually greed in that instance but it's usually some type of fear. He or she is going to ruin me financially. Their bad habits, they're, they're going to drag me down. I'm not being dragged down with them. Fear. He or she's always trying to control me financially. I don't want to let them control me. Fear. 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 Now, last week, we read from Luke chapter 12. In Matthew chapter 6, we see a parallel. If you have your Bibles, flip over to Matthew chapter 6. We see a parallel to that passage. Uh, I believe most likely... What we see in Matthew 6 and Luke 12 are two different accounts of two different sermons that Jesus gave. Some people say, well, they're two Matthew and Luke's accounts of the same sermon. I actually don't believe that. Jesus was an itinerant minister. He preached lots of the same things, similarly but slightly different, in different places. It's very normal. And I think that's what we're seeing here. But this part is so similar. Matthew chapter 6. You remember in Luke 12 we had read Jesus talked about, why do you worry about what you're going to eat? Look at the birds. They don't worry, yet Father feeds them. Why do you worry about what you're going to wear? Look at the flowers, how beautiful they are. Father clothes them. He'll, he'll do that for you. Why are you worried about it? In Matthew 6, he says it so beautifully, and he says some other things. I want to just pick up at verse 30. There's a whole conversation on finances. It's beautiful in Matthew 6, but I just want to look at this part for right now. Verse 30, if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire... Will he not much more clothe you? Look at this phrase. Oh, you have little faith. Take note of that. Oh, you have little faith. And then he goes on and says, so do not worry. Saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? What shall we wear? The pagans, the unbelievers run after these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. What's he talking about? What things? Food, clothes, the stuff we need, right? That's what he's talking about. Seek first the kingdom. And then he says, therefore, do not worry. That's the second time he's used that word about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Third time, each day has enough trouble of its own. That word worry, it's really a little more nuanced than just fear, but we see it as kind of a expounding on that idea of fear. Our word worry comes from an old English word, worgen. It's actually of Germanic roots, and it means to strangle or to choke. Kind of enough said. It's actually the same word 
that's used in, in the Greek, it's the same word that's used in Luke chapter 10, 41. Remember, Jesus at the home of Mary and Martha, and Martha is so distracted and caught up in all her preparations. She's missing a visit with Jesus. She's missing the most important thing, and she's screaming at her sister. She's trying to get Jesus to yell at her sister. It's this big thing, and Jesus says to her, Martha, you are so worried and bothered by so many things. You are so choked and strangled. You ever felt choked and strangled by things you're worried about? Those fears that just kind of, you wake up with them in the middle of the night, you can't go back to sleep, you can think about them. Tends to be the quiet times. See, this is more than fear. It's describing the distracting, choking, obsessive nature of the worry, anxiety, and yes, the fear that comes through worrying about money and resources. And Jesus, in this passage, just like he did in Luke 12, offers a beautiful alternative to fear and worry, and it's very simply called faith. Oh, you of little faith. We read that as a criticism. Don't, don't read it as a criticism. Read it as a longing wish for us. Oh, you have such little faith. I want you to have more. Because if you really believed, if you understood what is yours, you'd be so free. I have such a gift for you. Oh, you have little faith. Hebrews 11.1 says that faith is being sure of what we hope for, certain of what we do not see. And we want to take a quick minute to remind you that you're listening to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in a series called Financial Fitness. And if you'd like to hear the full message or even watch the video podcast from Pastor Sean, it's available right now on demand on the sermon page at the River City website called reallife.org. And if you think you'd like to come and visit River City Community Church, here's your invitation from Pastor Sean. Do you ever look at your life and feel like you were made for something more? Jesus made a simple statement. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give you abundant life, real life. I talk to a lot of people, and many seem to feel like they're settling for a whole lot less. Hi, I'm Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church, and we are so convinced that we were made for something better. We call ourselves a church for real life. I'd like to invite you to join us for one of our weekend gatherings, which are an exciting and artistic blend of music, reflection, and practical insights, all designed to explore the life that God meant for us. River City is located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Otama Park. Service times are Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 9.30 and 11.15 a.m. River City is a church for real life, so our home on the web is reallife.org. To find out more, visit us online at reallife.org. God created you for something very special. Come find out more at River City Community Church. And back to this message called Crossing Over. This is Real Life Radio. Faith is being sure of what we hope for because Father has promised it. We hope for it. In other words, not, we don't have it yet, but we're going to have it because Father's promised it. And faith says we are sure. And certain of what we don't see yet. It hasn't happened yet, but it's going to because Father promised it. So we are sure and we are certain. And Jesus says you have a Father who is your provider. So you don't have to be afraid. You can be sure and certain that He will provide. In fact, Psalm 112, which we read at the beginning of the message, begins with this phrase, Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in His commandments. That's interesting. The fear of the Lord has been kind of a confusing topic for people. Because it is really the fear to end all fears. You know, we think of fear of the Lord, and that's kind of a, mm, what, I love the Lord. How do I fear? Well, it's not like the child of an alcoholic parent who's afraid of irrational and, and violent outbreaks. It's not that kind of fear. It's a reverence and a respect that says, God, you're in a league all your own. It's that, that reverence that says, Father, 
there's none compared to you. And, and, and we recognize when we're in the presence of the Father, we're not sitting there chatting with an equal. We're, we're speaking with the great I am. And so there's this reverence, this holy fear of God. But it has been called, rightly so, the fear to end all fears. Because if God, my Father, is with me, what do I have to be afraid of? What do I possibly have to be afraid of? That's the idea that Jesus is saying, your Father loves you. The Creator, the Almighty, loves you. And says He will provide everything you need. Why are you so worried and afraid? And what's interesting is we sit... And we know this, and yet we wonder what, what's going on here. I've called this message crossing over, okay? Because our desire is to cross over from fear to faith. Paul says in Romans 8, 15, he says, You didn't receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Your Father loves you and wants to provide everything you need. And so I then sit and go, okay, then what's wrong with my heart? Because sometimes my heart gets afraid over money over resources, over stuff. I know this. I believe it. And remember I told you at the beginning of this series, I said, how you view God. Remember the unfaithful servant in the parable? And his view of the master affected his behavior in a really negative way. I said, your view of father will determine how you receive this teaching. So right now, here it comes. How do you view father? Because I actually believe every word Jesus said. I believe that about God. Do you? Do you believe that about God? Then what is wrong with our hearts? That's the problem. That's, that's where I sit and go, when I start getting stressed or worried or fearful, I go, what is wrong with me? And Jesus gave us the secret a little bit earlier in Matthew 6. We actually read it last week in Luke 12, and I commented on it, and I told you we'd be expounding on it a little bit. Matthew 6, 21, he was talking about money, you can't serve God and mammon, store up treasure in heaven, all these different things. And then he says in verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Remember how I told you that doesn't really make sense? That's backwards, that's not right? Because what Jesus should have said... Okay, and before you think of a blasphemer correcting the Almighty, just hang with me. What Jesus should have said was where your heart is, there your treasure will be. Because we all know that, right? You know, you want to know where someone's heart is, their values, check their checkbook, check their calendar. We know that, right? That's not what Jesus said. He's not giving us an obvious truth that we all already know. He's giving us something that is priceless and precious and actually somewhat counterintuitive. He didn't say where your heart is, there your treasure will be. He said where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Isn't that interesting? In other words, I can take my treasure and I can train this fearful, unfaithful heart of mine. I can train this heart by directing my resources. He is giving us a secret because of the fact that our resources meet our needs. Our resources are so deep and personal. What, where we go to meet our needs is where we are tempted to worship. It's typically, typically how it is. Where we meet our needs is where we worship. From, from ancient man all the way up to, you know, I don't have time to go into all that, but Think about it, you know, write a research paper and email it to me. No, I'm just kidding. I don't want a bunch of research papers, okay? This idea, though, that where my treasure is, there my heart will be. He is giving us a way to train our heart. And I want to challenge you in this area of finances this morning. Father gave us a way, a powerful tutor to train our hearts with, and it is called the tithe. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. The tithe is God's bridge to move my heart from fear to faith. The tithe is God's bridge to move my heart from fear to faith. I so believe in this financial principle, in this discipline. Lori and I have tithed from the beginning of our marriage, and we have seen so many blessings and fruit. I am a fan and a believer, and so are most people who have spent any time tithing. Now, we get hesitant to talk about it, okay? 
We're fearful of offending, being misunderstood. It just gets weird when it comes to the tithe, doesn't it? Sometimes just admit it. Can we admit that in the room? No, we won't admit it. We're just not coming back. <laughs> yeah, no, we get weird. Take a look at this video. This is, this is what I'm talking about. I give to God by enjoying what he has given me. Okay? I mean, do you really think he expects something back? Now, I know there's a lot of people at church that would not understand this line of reasoning. That's why, just to make things simple and not to cause any controversy, I like to carry what I call the little empty envelope, all right? You see, when the plate gets passed, I bloop, put it in there like that. The deacon's counting the money. They only know me as the crazy empty envelope guy, but the people sitting around me, clueless. (laughs) I win, they win, God wins. No one gets hurt because no one knows. God knows. Huh? I tithe, but just not like in the form of a 10% check per se. Let me tell you what I mean. When I go to church on a Sunday morning, they're selling donuts. I buy some. Boom. That's a tithe. When my whole Sunday school class wants donuts and I, out of the goodness of my heart, buy a whole bunch for the Sunday school class, boom. That's another tithe. But it's not about me spending money. It's about the smile on people's faces. That, my friends, is tithe enough for me. Case in point, the church was having date nights where we could take our spouse out for an evening, and they were charging $25 for child care. Boom shakalaka tithe. I'll tell you what the biggest tithe was. When I spent over $100 on our meal, and my wife was grinning ear to ear, that, my friends, a tithe. Yeah, I have money, that's a fact. But you know what? It's a heart thing between me and the Lord and the pastor because he needs to know what I'm giving now that we have this little building campaign going on, if you know what I'm saying. And pastor, I'd give a little bit more. I'd give a little something, something if you'd have that music minister sing a couple more hymns now and then, huh? Hey, what's this? Watch this. Is that a Benjamin? I think it is. Benji likes hymns. Come on. You want it? Ah, come on, pastor. Do what I say, huh? Ah, 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 ah. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) that's awesome. I can't tell you. I don't know if our giving has increased any, but I know the donut people told me there was a bunch of tithe going on out there. You can't tell They told me, you can't believe how many people told us they were tithing now by buying a donut. Oh, good. I said, you show those kind of things at River City, it never works the way you hope, okay? Yeah, it just, I, I have actually heard kind of serious renditions of a lot of that. Because it's just an awkward kind of thing when we talk about the tithe. Well, you may be here, you may be new, you may have no idea of what this thing called the tithe is. Let me walk you real quickly through the scriptures and show you this principle. In Genesis chapter 14, 20, it's the first mention that we have. There was possible indication of even earlier. But Genesis 14, 20, Blessed be God most high, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. He's talking about Melchizedek. Abraham gave Melchizedek, the priest of the most high God. Hebrews 7, 2 says that Melchizedek means king of righteousness and also king of Salem, king of peace. Kind of a mysterious character. Many people believe it was a pre-incarnation manifestation of Jesus Christ himself. We're just told he is the priest of God. But Abraham, having gained spoils of war from delivering his uh, his nephew Lot, gave a tenth of everything to this Melchizedek. 
Leviticus 27.20, now Moses is writing under inspiration of the Spirit in the law. 27 verse 30, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. The tithe was this idea that whatever you make, God would like you to take a tenth. God commands and instructs to take a tenth and give that back for ministry. It's all God's, we understand, but a tenth was holy unto the Lord. It was for the purpose of caring for the ministers, the priests, the Levites, the maintenance of the place of ministry and worship, for religious celebration, the declaration of God's glory throughout the earth, for the poor and needy, benevolence ministry. That's what the tithe was for. Some people think the tithe ended when we went into the New Testament. Actually, it didn't. We have to understand, Jesus, his disciples, all the founders of the early church were all Jews, and they all tithed. In fact, Jesus talked about where the Pharisees had kind of gone sideways in their whole faith, but they remained very faithful to the tithe. He, in Matthew 23, 23, he says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin. He said they would get, someone would give them a little baggie of spices. They would divvy up a tenth and make sure they tithe. And Jesus says, well, that's great. He says, but you've neglected the more important matters of the law. Justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. In other words, you're missing the whole point of the tithe. You're missing all of it if you miss the heart of God. Thank you, Pastor Sean. You've been listening to Real Life Radio in this series called Financial Fitness. And if you'd like to hear the full unedited message and this series, it's available right now as a free download when you find the sermons link at reallife.org. But of course, you're always invited to come and visit us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road, right behind Rotama Park. You can see all the details, directions, and service times, including the Saturday night service, also at reallife.org. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262, as Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church, and we hope you join us again next time for more Real Life. Real Life.